in the spirit of Christmas, we know there's a story that in this season is read and, and preached on and quoted. And it's, it's a beautiful story about the birth of Jesus from Luke chapter 1 and 2. And uh, um, a particular verse that jumps out at me this morning in chapter 2, verse 13 of Luke, when the angels announced, and, and you can go there, but you, you know the verse. I can just quote it to you. Uh, but it's when the angels went to tell the shepherds about the birth of Jesus and where they would find him lying in the manger. And it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. They were praising God. They were praising God because he had come to earth. Praising God, giving God praise because of this magnificent thing. This thing that needed to happen, this thing that was going to fix everything. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. In other words, all of the highest praise possible given to God right now. And on the earth, peace. Somebody say peace. And on the earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Something that the angels knew about this whole thing was that this event was going to change everything. This event was the promised event that we read of through all the law and the prophets. And ever since the book of Genesis, we see the story being foretold. We see hints of it. We see shadows of it. We see promises of it. And after thousands of years, many people lived before this day and looked forward to this day. But the day literally happened. Science proves it. I mean, it cannot be disproven at all. That it happened. That Jesus came and was born to the earth. Born in the earth. And he did his life and he died just like it says. It, like, like that. And he rose again. And we're all actually witnesses of that because we've partaken of that resurrection and experienced that. We're witnesses of that resurrection just as much as those who saw him with their, with their own eyes. But something happened that... that, that did change everything. And I'm telling you, it really is and was a finished work. And that's one point that you got to get in, in this thing. And I, I want to help, and I want to be a little bit deliberate and try to really give some, some, some points about this that you can take home with you and walk out here with, that you, that you understand that these are things that you have ingrained in your brain, <clears throat> is that it was a finished work. And that means that you're not sitting on the bus waiting for something else to come. That it was done, it was finished, and unto us a gift was given, a son was given. Right? Isaiah 9. And it was the Christmas gift. It was a gift to us, to mankind. And in this gift, the Bible declares, was wrapped up everything that would pertain to life. In this gift would, would be wrapped up every promise that God had ever made. Go back and read all those Old Testament promises. Everything God ever said, every promise God ever made was fulfilled, was fulfilled in Jesus. He was the gift and in that gift was wrapped up every single thing necessary for life and godliness Peace, joy, abundance, life, health, heal, everything was wrapped up in him. Y'all agree with me on that? And so they announced this, this word here, and on the earth peace 
and goodwill toward men. I want to I want to I want to look at that word peace because peace is something that seems like such a, a small word It's something. It's a good word. It's a good thing. We all agree with that. But it doesn't it seems like on the list of hierarchy of importance, it's 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 up there somewhere. Uh, it, we certainly want that. But it seems like a lot of people are kind of willing to do without it uh, in exchange for other things. And so the first thing we want to do is we want to define this word peace because it's 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 it ha- it's it's not usually defined right. Biblical peace. And of course, we're reading out of the New Testament here, so it's a it's it's taken from the Greek, uh, which is the word Irene. It's like it's where the word Irene, the name Irene, comes from. It means peace. Um, but it's a Greek word Irene, and here's here's the Greek definition of it because it's it doesn't mean just peace like we use in English. The Greek definition means literally to join. It means, by joining, it means wholeness, oneness, which implies prosperity and rest, or to be set at one again. Now, this is important because we're all familiar with the word shalom, which is the Hebrew word that's, that's, it, that's interpreted in our King James Bibles as the word peace. And while it does include peace as we know it, it, inc- it, inc- it includes a lack of war. But in the Old Testament, if you study, it's, not, it's, it's, it's very seldom used as an absence of war. Like people say, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What everybody's thinking is they pray that the violence and the war would end there. And while that's certainly a part of it, absolutely, if you look in the Old Testament, it's very seldom used as the absence of war because the word shalom means, means very much the same thing as Irene. The word shalom literally means wholeness, completeness, oneness, perfection. It, it is also used to, to mean prosperity, healing. It's, it's, it's wholeness, completeness, everything. Jesus brought peace. Everything was wrapped up in him. And even today, and, 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 and Jewish people understand this. The reason we just use peace, and it's just used in a way where, where, it's just, where it just sounds like it's just uh, maybe uh, a, a, a condition of uh, no, 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 no strife or no war or anything, is because when it was translated into Latin... Back in the days when, it, when Latin became the, the Bible, <laughs> um, in the days of Roman Catholicism, uh, all over the way, it was, it was translated into Latin, and they used the word pox, which literally means peace, which would translate to our word just a lack of war. But the Hebrew and the Greek words are talking about a condition of wholeness, oneness, completeness, perfection. It literally means to be set at one again. Today, Hebrew rabbis, uh, Jewish rabbis, excuse me, Jewish rabbis use the word, and the Jewish rabbis are very, while they're very scholarly, they're also very secular in their thought. But, but anyway, they, do, they, they, they teach that this word means exactly what I'm saying. It, they say, say it literally means to, to bring wholeness or to, to set at one again or to bring opposites together. 
And so that's why it's used to say hello and goodbye when you meet someone. Two people are coming from different places. It's shalom. It's a greeting. When you leave, it's shalom. You're going to different places. Um, They say, they teach, they teach that um, personal shalom is the bringing of two sides together. They say, and this is not a biblical thing, this is their secular bringing into their, their secular look at it. They say it's taking the left and the right brain and, and, and bringing them together, taking the linear and the spatial and making them one instead of being completely left-brained or right-brained, taking the logic and the intuitive and, 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 and becoming whole. Uh, they say that. They say politically. They teach this. They teach politically. It doesn't mean that you are completely left wing or right wing politically, but you have you have both of them combined. That's 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 how they apply this word because they 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 understand that it means a oneness or a wholeness. Now that's not the, the examples that I gave to you. These are not biblical examples. These are just how they apply it secularly. But but biblically is how we want to look at this this morning. Because this peace that he brought, we want to look at it and how it's applied in three ways. First of all, of bringing two opposites together and making one in wholeness, of course, it's God and man reconciled. Right? God promised way back in Genesis, my spirit will not always strive with man forever. In another place, he said, I will not be angry forever. What Jesus means is, and if everybody can understand this, and, and, and I think people would agree with me uh, in their minds on this, they would agree that the war between man and God is over. But what that means on a deeper level inside of us is that means that there is nothing about you that God is against. Now, he hates sin, he hates ungodliness and all that stuff, but what he has done is reconciled us and in that reconciliation has made us whole. And in that wholeness or, or personal peace with God, all the things that were ungodly leave away. Now, Second, uh, second Peter chapter 1, verse 9 says this, and I've, I've, I've read this quite a few times here. But it lists these different attributes or fruits of the Spirit. And, and some of them are, are patience, perseverance, uh, brotherly love, kindness, godliness. And it says, he that lacks these things cannot see very well, and they're blinded because they've forgotten that they were, that they were forgiven of their sins. They've forgotten that they're saved. <laughs> they've forgotten that they're a new creation. They've forgotten that they're not what they used to be. And so people lack their peace with First of all, with God and really with everything else, they lack their peace when they forget the truth. Jesus said the truth will make you free. So they've forgotten that they've been delivered of their sins. They've forgotten and they're still trying to be delivered. They still feel like there's a war going on within themselves. They're trying to battle things. And this is something we see in the church world a lot. And I was, I was a big proponent of this until, until you grow and you get a revelation. But I used to think that what we were supposed to do as Christians was to find whatever was wrong and attack it. Just go after it. Attack, attack, attack. If it's, if it's some, some habit we have, we attack it and attack it and attack it. And while the motivation was right, we didn't like it, we didn't want it, we wanted to get rid of it. That, was not, that did not empower us um, uh, uh, to do it. Um, 
you know, if we didn't have enough money, we would say, attack the lack, attack the lack, attack the lack. And what we were doing was putting attention on something that, what, that, that was already taken care of. We're putting attention on something that is no longer a part of us because we've been made whole. Come on. And what that really means is, for one thing, you're, not, you're, you're no longer a, a, a sinner saved by grace. You're a child of God. Maybe you were a sinner, <laughs> but you were saved by grace. Huh? And you don't have that identity of a sinner. I used to say, if you think that you're still a dirty dog trying to get better, you're going to always act like a dirty dog that's trying to get better. And you'll wonder why, 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 why you can't get there. And that's what Paul called... Uh, uh, living in the flesh is putting your mind <clears throat> on the things of the flesh than on the things of the spirit. If we've been reconciled with God and made one, now get this. This is if, there's some points here that if you can grab this, are, are they're like gold to you. We have been brought into oneness with God. The partition, the veil between God and man is removed in Christ. If you want to look at the temple, you want to look at the tabernacle, and you want to see the three parts in, 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 in the building and all that, and you want to see the sanctuary, and then you want to see beyond the veil, there's a holy of holies, and you want to see those things, I want to tell you, it's not like that in Christ. In Christ, the veil is removed. Those, there was a remodeling of the temple that happened. And we're the temple. No, you're not. You're the temple. Something happens inside of us. With the unveiling, which means revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ is simply the unveiling of Christ. When the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That means revelation happens. Unveiling happens. And we see the glory of God. A remodeling happened inside the temple. Two rooms were turned into one. We were a fixer-upper, you know. You, you watch those shows, and they say, they'll find this old house, and you think, you wouldn't want to do anything with that. And they're like, oh, we'll do this. We'll take out this wall. We'll put a center island there. We'll put new cabinets here and all this stuff. And, all. And, and, and this whole remodel makes it something really beautiful. It's like, wow. you know. And, and, and this is what happened. God looks at this, and he says, okay, here's man, and he's all, he's all depressed, and he's in sin, and he's bound, and he's all this. So I'm going to take this wall out right here, and I'm going to turn this room into one big, these two rooms into one big room. And so, so you won't be able to tell where one room ends and the other one begins anymore. I'm going to take that whole thing out. It won't even look anything like it did before. Are, are, are you hearing me? There is no veil in Christ. Christ is the unveiling of the glory of God. Woo! So we're not trying to pr- break through that veil and get to some other life. That life came to us. The law tries to get us to that life. So I don't sing, take me, take me past the courts and the priests who sing your praise and take me into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies came to me. God himself made us one. So we're one. I don't see a veil. I don't see a, a division anymore. I don't, I don't see a God outside of me only. I see a God who's with me. And when I say with me, I don't mean he's with me right here. He's with me always in here. He has become one with me. And he's no longer a separate person, some alien living inside of me that I got to try to make contact with once in a while. He has become one with my soul. That's the renewing of the mind. And he's ever becoming more and more one. Because the soul, the sanctuary is your soul, it's your mind. And, and, and now that Jesus has unveiled his glory, 
then then the, the glory of the Father begins to flood our soul. And it changes what we thought, what we felt, how we acted, how we reacted, how we saw things. We see, start to see like the Father. We start to feel like He does. We start to feel joy because He is joy. We start to feel love because He is love. We start to feel at peace because that's just who He is and that's, what he, that's, that's all He's got. He doesn't have any of the opposite of those things to give us. Huh? Now out there, that, that world's got all those, the opposite, that's got all those things to give you. Huh? But, but you are no longer married to that world. You're no longer one with that flesh. You are one with God. Huh? So there's been a oneness, a reconciliation. You are a new creation. Now this is big. It's got to get to the point to where it's not just really good words. It's got to get to the point where it's not just something on your refrigerator or your dashboard or something. It gets to the point where, where you start to know it. You start to, Paul said, reckon it. Reckon yourself dead to that stuff and alive with this. Now, what does that do? Just, just that thought right there, already you start to feel like more than a conqueror. You start to feel like, I can do this. I can handle this. I can walk with this. I can walk with all that going on because I got this. Are you listening to me? It made you, he didn't make you just somebody with God close to the, him anymore. He made you a different person because two, two people became one. <clears throat> I can take another bottle of water and pour it in here. And then I dare you to try to tell me which water was the old one and which, which one belonged to that other bottle and which one belonged to this one. Because the two literally become one. Now, when we talk about the new creation realities, we're not talking just mind games, even though you do have to know it. <laughs> we're not talking mind games. We're talking about unveiling spiritual revelation where you just, you know something. And so people ask me a lot, well, how can I get it more? How do I get to know that stuff? You know, because it's not law, it's hard for me to give how-tos. But one thing I find myself saying is I say, just keep looking at the right thing. When you find yourself being pulled out of peace, you're finding yourself as a, a, you're finding yourself fragmented again. You're finding yourself, you don't feel like you're at one with God, at one with love, at one with faith. You don't feel like you're at one with those. You feel like you're more at one with those things. And they're stressing you. And they're making you angry and they're frustrating you. And you feel like, that's my problem out there. That's everybody's problem. But, you know, Shambach used to say, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And, 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 you would, and, 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 and the, the deal is when the heart turns to the Lord, we behold the glory and then we'd be like that because that's who we really are. And notice he says it's a mirror. When you look at a mirror, you're seeing how, who you really are. Oh, come on. Oh, I'm just, I'm, tell, I'm just, just so broke I can't pay attention and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a diabetic and I'm this and I'm, and I'm just, I got these, I got this anger spirit. I'm still praying that God would deliver me and I got this addiction and all that. And he said, Shh. when it turns to the Lord, you'll see what you really look like. You think you look like this weak, afflicted, addicted, something going on here. When the heart turns to the Lord, you see what you really look like. Why? Because it's a truth. You are one with God. Him. 
Now that, just that right there. I think that's why some of you were starting to praise God just now. Just that right there gets you the, you began to, you got a feeling of reality like, my goodness, I'm, I'm bigger than anything. <laughs> because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But what that means is you don't have a, just a separate being inside you somewhere. If he's in you, he's part of you. It becomes your identity. Are y'all here? And, and, and when you see it, it becomes a, a, an unforced rhythm to where you're not trying to convince yourself and play mind games. You're looking at truth here this morning. You're looking at so we're celebrating a season because this really happened. Jesus came and brought oneness to us. Wow. There is no partition between me and God. Jesus, you know, they thought Jesus was crazy. You know why? Because in an insane asylum, the sane one stands out. He's different. They lived, they, of course, of course some, they thought he was demon-possessed. He was called a sinner. They accused him of being a Samaritan because he didn't mind hanging out with Samaritans. They, his family literally thought that he had lost his mind and they were going to ha- trying to have him committed at one point in the book of John. And Jesus, you know, essentially embellishing things, but it, 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 Jesus essentially says, you don't understand me. The world doesn't know me until he tells you, he says, the world does not know you because it didn't know me. How could they know you if they didn't know me? Because you and me are just the same. No, but I'm, 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 I'm a dish rag and you're Jesus. That diminishes the gift that we're celebrating this season. That's not truth. That's not reality. Reality says Jesus. God came in the flesh, born of a woman. Lived the life that he said he lived. He died a death on the cross. Was buried, came back alive. Ascended to the Father, gave the Spirit to the world. Whosoever will. And he said, the world didn't understand, doesn't understand you because they didn't understand me. So why would they understand you when they didn't understand me? We're exactly the same. And he says... The reason they don't understand because they never saw, there's ne- they've never seen anybody without a veil before. They've never seen anybody that can just do what the Father does. Why? Because me and my Father are one, he said. Are you all hearing me? Now, Jesus is the name above all names. He is the creator. He is God before the foundation of the earth. He is all of those things. And that does not diminish at all who he is. It is not saying that we ourselves created. It's not saying that we ourselves are the creator. It doesn't say that we ourselves are, uh, are God in that sense to be worshipped in that way. But it does say we have been united with him. Are you here? And so just like Jesus was walking around without a veil, 
We're walking around now without a veil. As he is, so are we in this world. And that's why this thing really did happen. We're not trying to get peace. We've been made at peace with God. And do you see the next part of this is that peace with you. Peace within your soul. Shalom. Prosperity. Wholeness. Perfection in the soul can only be found by being filled with him. Which he did. The book of 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. It comes, it's the inside out, and it? it starts in here. So he gave soul prosperity, shalom. Because it's the soul who's at one with God, who's at peace with itself in the fact that I have, I have been made complete in him. This is what we celebrate as Christians. I, I, I'm telling you, there's, 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 a, there's a myth, a mythical belief that so many of us carry that your deliverance is around the corner. That that little something extra or that big something extra that you need to finally be blessed, to finally be happy, to finally feel at rest in your soul that it's, it's coming. It's out there somewhere. And then that makes you feel like, so, and, and we hear these questions a lot, so what do I do? What do I do to have that in my life? What do I do to see that manifest in my life? What do I do? What, what, what are we doing here? We're, that goes against everything about the whole Christmas story here. It was what he did. Romans 8 says what we could not do because our flesh was weak. Our flesh was weak. What we could not do, God did. God did. By sending the Son in the likeness of our weak and sinful flesh. Hmm? And He did, He condemned that sin that's in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law would be complete, would be fulfilled in us. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but we still have God's law, God's holy standard to live up to. Mm, theoretically, okay, but, you're, but that distracts you from the real point here. Because the standard has been met. This is why we celebrate Christmas. What we could not meet has been met for me. It's done. <laughs> Somebody as stupid as me can walk in this oneness and wholeness and goodness and blessing and peace, love and joy when I didn't know how to get it. Tried for years like everybody else. Always going for fullness. Always trying to get my heart fulfilled. Trying to get my life fulfilled. Even after I came, even after I received Jesus, I kept trying and trying to get my heart more fulfilled with God because I thought it was about me doing something to get that fulfillment. Who bewitched me? <laughs> I started out good. <laughs> but thank God the truth makes you free. I came home to the truth. Got back to where it wasn't what I do, it's what he did. Now, I'm not criticizing anybody, but I don't wear the what would Jesus do things because I'm not trying to remind myself what would Jesus do necessarily in situations. What I think of, what I remind myself is what did Jesus do? And that's the truth. And what he did was all of it. Are y'all here? 
The war with God is over. The partition between us and God is not existent in Jesus. If, there, if you feel, you say, well, why do I feel divided? It's because, it's because of the enmity, as Ephesians says, the enmity that's between you and God in your mind. You believe that there is. You think that you're still separated. You think that God's still far away. You think that God is still conditional towards you. Because as a man thinks, so is he. That's how, that's how it manifests. So all you've got to do is have the soul prosperity, just get the truth, and then these, these, these manifestations start following. That's what Jesus taught. Seek ye first the kingdom and all these things huh? that are necessary. God knows you need them. He didn't say they're not important. But he says, this is first. So Jesus came and did this first. He didn't come and fix all that first, obviously. He fixed this first, didn't he? And so what, one thing we celebrate in this season is that, that what the angels knew, that this something big is happening now. Because now on earth is shalom. Now on earth is peace, oneness, wholeness, perfection. That which is perfect has come to the earth. And it didn't just come in one body to walk the shores of Galilee he ascended to the Father that it would come on all of us. Amen. Amen. My goodness. If I was a devil, I would do anything I could to keep people from hearing this. I would have people preach anything else except completeness in God. I wouldn't care if they went to church every day. I wouldn't care if they went seven times a day. If they were hearing that it's still around the corner, that it's still that carrot on the stick ahead of them, I'll, I'll, I'll sit on the back row and say amen. <laughs> hmm? Because as long as they think that, even though they do have this relationship with the Lord, as long as they think that I can keep them miserable, I can keep them at, ang- at, at, at war, I can keep them angry, I can keep them selfish. I can keep them self-centered. I can keep them stressed. I can keep it to where everything else is their problem and everybody else is their problem. Because they're looking out there. If I was a devil, I would do anything. I would just sit on the back pew and rest and say, Amen, preacher, say that again. If I was a devil, I would do anything. I would, I would not want to hear this kind of stuff at all. <laughs> and, then, and then there's people, oh, you better be careful about that. Now, he, now, that, he, now that he heard that, he's going to try to stop you from... <laughs> We're complete in him. Jesus didn't have this devil battle. He said, the prince of this world come. He's got nothing in me. <laughs> He's found nothing in me. I and the Father are one. Get away from the mythological idea that, that to be Christ-like, you have to live the perfect life that Jesus lived. He lived the perfect life for you. That was the whole thing. That was the gift that was given. Because, think of, think of, think of that. This such a big thing that happened, not only with the birth that we're celebrating now, but the life and the death and the resurrection, all that, all, all that stuff, all of that work and all the preparation that went toward that simply because God loved you. 
While Jesus is the reason for the season, you are his reason for this season. Third thing. The Bible speaks of this a lot. Speaks about, about the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile being broken down. Shalom. Two opposites coming together in Christ. In Jesus, there is not Jew, not Gentile, not slave, not free, not male, not female. Things that were polars are at one. Husbands and wives don't have to be the Venus, Venus versus Mars thing. Because if you see the truth, there's oneness. Oneness in all things in him. Read it. Talks about him reconciling all things unto himself. All in him. One. Your spouse ain't your problem. Your, the person that on your job, whoever... That's not your problem. You got the, the mythological idea that if they will just change or just get out of the way, everything will be okay then. Guess what? There's 8 billion people in this world. It's going to happen again. <laughs> if people are your problem. But in Christ, people can't be your problem because you're bigger than anything anybody can say or do. No amens. Okay, well, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> You're bigger than all of that. If you can see the truth in Christ, there's a, uni a union, a oneness that happens. You know why spouses fight? Because they're, they're, they're apart. They're, 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 they're two separate units. There's a revelation of oneness. Ephesians 5 talks about this whole thing. He says this great mystery about a man and a woman. He says, but I'm really talking about Christ and his church, this oneness here. There's a great mystery about the, about the union between Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free. Everybody becomes one in him. That way, that, that way how can somebody else be wrong and you be right when you're one? Oh, come on. Tilt, tilt, tilt. That one you'll have to think about a little bit. Because it defies natural logic. It defies the wisdom of this world. Shalom. Completeness, wholeness, oneness. I'm telling you, it works. It brings peace in your soul. It becomes very hard for me to get mad at somebody, blame somebody else for, 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 for a problem or a feeling. It, it, it becomes very hard when you have this consciousness, this awareness that I am complete in him. I'm whole. I am perfected in him. I have everything I need already, and it's not what they're trying to take from me. It doesn't matter. I've got everything. Are y'all seeing this? This is the revelation. Peace. A bringing of oneness. Shalom. Shalom is to set at one. I don't have a schizoid relationship with God in here somewhere. I want to do this and God wants to do that. And if you have a problem with that, if you struggle with that, th that comes mostly because you still have the idea that, you're, that there's a veil, that there's a separation. 
you still have the idea that you and God are two separate individual units. And two separate individual units is not a union. And we have been made in union with him. And you know what? It doesn't take mind games. It doesn't take, I run to people that go around where they go around just saying, well, that's true. Then I am God. I am Jesus. I am. I am. You don't have to do any of that. You just know that you're at one with him. You don't have to pump yourself up. It's just a truth. You're at one with him. You know, I remember Judy demonstrated that time. You can take a, here's what union with him means. You can take a book and put a dollar in that book. And you can do anything you want with this book. And whatever you do to this book will also happen to that dollar. Because the dollar has now become one with it. You can burn the book in fire, and what will happen to the dollar? The very same thing. It'll burn. You can nail it to a cross, and what will happen to the dollar? The dollar is nailed to the cross. You can bury it. And where will the dollar be? The dollar will be buried with it because they're at one. They're together in union. Hmm? You can raise it up to heaven. Where will the dollar be? Hmm, Come on. See, that's another good one to look at and study. When the Bible says we're seated with him in heavenly places, I know I'm crazy. I know people think I'm crazy, but I cannot look at the throne of God without seeing me and you there too because we're at one now. So who's going to give me problems? People are just people, and they're precious. And Jesus died for them and rose for them and loves them all and He's not against them like some Christians are. <laughs> huh? Something happens. It makes you bigger. But when you're at one with him. Now that's oneness with God that we talked about. What about oneness with people? Shalom. Hmm? When he talks about one, one body. He says, you think you can hurt one thing and not hurt yourself? <laughs> hmm? See, that's, that's, that's because people don't, don't discern the Lord's body. Remember Paul talked about that, talking about communion? He said, why, 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 why are some of you sick? Why are some of you weak? Why do some of you die early? You're not discerning the Lord's body. The Lord's body, we are one in Him. You're not discerning. But what you're doing to them, you're doing to you. What you're saying about them, you're saying about you if you understand you're one. Do you see this? And you can take this just mentally or you can take this as a real heavenly truth. Because that's true. He said it's a mystery. And, the, and of course that picture he gave about the husband and the wife there, he said, it's a mystery. He said, a man doesn't hate his own flesh. But if he blames and gets mad at his wife, then he's doing it to himself. He says, they're one. And you're like, mm, I can kind of see that. But I know he said, it's a great mystery. Mysteries of the kingdom can only be revealed by the spirit, but it's still true. Hmm? 
And that's why you have to have faith. You have to see with spirit eyes. And you have to be willing to, to, like Moses, turn and look at the things of the spirit and consider that maybe the things of God, the things of heaven, are more true than the temporal things that come and go and change. And it gives you peace. I can't think of anybody. I don't, I don't have strife with anybody. And there's lots of people that disagree with me. And there's lots of people that don't even like me. I, I, there are people that are against me. There are people out there talking against me. I mean, I'm, I'm the Antichrist to some people. <laughs> it's hard to be mad at somebody when you're at one, when you're whole inside. If I'm not whole, if I still need something, then they're my problem. Are y'all here? I don't need nothing. Nothing, honey. Would y'all stand up? <laughs>